You're listening to a Broadmoor Podcast production. On Sunday, we continued our Philippians series as Josh preached again from chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. On the podcast today, we're talking about how God can and wants to use the difficult and broken parts of our story to bless those around us and advance the gospel. Why then do we struggle so much to share those parts of us? We also discuss what persecution is and isn't, and how we should spend every moment of our ordinary lives on mission for the gospel. Thanks for joining us today. This is After the Message. Hey, guys. Well... Hey. Thank you, hey. thank you, Chase. Thank Round you. Well, that was that was really felt like a false start. So uh, <laughs> oh, wait, did we just start just now? We yeah, did. we started. Oh man, we're we rolling. We are on the air. Get your nose on Facebook. Maybe you could keep oh, on what's going boy. on. Over. I don't do Facebook. Thank you. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm checking email, which is not any better. Uh, that's true. You know, I was just looking for you on like mm-hmm. Instagram. You're not on Instagram either. Nothing. Yeah. Loser. Mm. Yeah, I was going to send you something that was really funny, and then I bet nope. you're still on MySpace. Aren't I had you? to take a screenshot. <laughs> MySpace either. You got a Zanga? I got nothing, guys. I think I actually have a Facebook account. I had to go old school. I, think so. I, think I had so. to go old school and take a screenshot and text it to you. Mm. Oh, wow. I mean, come on. Do man. you got somebody impersonating you? Maybe. On what? Impersonating him on Face page. Mm. <laughs> face page. <laughs> I bet it's Mike. Snapchats and Face page. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something you want to tell us, Neil? Nope. <laughs> you want to confess? <laughs> nope. Mike has enough of that for today for all of us. Oh, wow. Okay, just to be clear, wow. I, I, entered, <laughs> I entered the room and, and Josh, in a very unusual mm-hmm. sort of... It was. Pastoral yeah. is what I was going no, for. No, mm. asked me how I was doing, but with this look on his face, like he knew something like that a I scowl? should be sharing. Like a scowl, maybe? No. Or like just, a no, caring well, brother no, no, looking little, at another brother. No, it was a little more intense than that. <laughs> um, but it was like as if as if he knew something that I should be disclosing to him. But that, it's okay. Now's a good time. Go ahead. What is it? Well, so. I, it's nothing. <laughs> That's the point. I don't know. Well, um, I mean, I I do think Josh had a different tone, but I will say you are acting mighty defensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hmm. I don't know. If anybody out in the podcast world knows anything that I should know about Mike, <laughs> pastor at broadmoor.org. We'll leave his confession in the show notes. Somewhere. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah. Well, can you tell we spent maybe a little bit too much time together over the last couple uh, of days? Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah, which is a good point, Jay. So we just got back from uh, the reason that we're recording this later than normal and releasing it later in the week is because we were gone on a two-day staff retreat uh, with one another. So we (laughs) spent a lot of time together. It was great. It It was was. my favorite staff retreat we've done so far. Wow. Yeah. That's that's saying a lot there. I'd second that. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was so much fun. Well, yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, I got injured, but, you know, hey. Pickleball injury. Pickleball. <laughs> I played. Is it a match? I played my first match yeah. of yeah. pickleball. I felt old and lost. Retreat, I might add more so than <laughs> yeah. ever. Did you? Mm-hmm. I stunk at pickleball. Mm. You weren't supposed to agree with that. that I didn't. I just. Mm. I stunk at pickleball. I could not do the stupid puzzle. Um, I didn't catch any fish because you couldn't see the puzzle. Was that what it, it was? was? Yeah, it, it, was just a, it was all just a disaster mm. as far as just. What you didn't catch fish. any fish? Yeah, very few. It was a 
terrible fishing um, trip. And, and for those who are listening, oh, we actually did some spiritual things too. So <laughs> they were great. That was the best part of the trip. Mark, me. I hadn't. I knew you were intense and a competitor, but uh, yeah, I, I get, saw some sides of you that made yeah, me a little nervous. Yeah, I, yeah. I get a lot of control. I hate playing competitive stuff because I don't. I don't look like Jesus when I do. Hmm. Oh. And I have to repent and not go back out there again. Maybe so I you, saw. Maybe you misplaced your look, Josh. <laughs> Should have been gone over here. Yeah. Over I here. may have seen uh, Josh do a uh, victory lap around a room after winning a ping pong ball. Well, match. to be clear, <laughs> Harvey Ellis is one of the best ping pongers ever, right? So he's spent his whole life playing ping pong. He would hang his hat on. He's the best. Mm-hmm. And I've played Harvey maybe about 25 times, and I've lost 24 times. Until this very last time where wow. I beat him. And I beat him by a lot. So I felt <laughs> wow. Mm, mm. I felt grown. Sounds like well, to me you're saying you're the best there ever was. I'm better than mm. Harvey. <laughs> 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 right. See how our retreats were different this time. <laughs> <laughs> the competitive nature just flows mm. when you Oh boy. Yes. Yeah. Good stuff. I didn't realize how competitive I was until I got on the pickleball yeah. court with Neil mm-hmm. to pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> and you carried him the whole time, right? Uh, no, he was on the opposing team. I beat him the whole time. Oh, oh boy. that's what we wanted to draw out right there. Yes, <laughs> yes. At the same time, just to be clear, I didn't run into a big steel beam <laughs> well, that like true. somebody did in the middle of the court. Mine three, just like ran three into times, it. Actually, mm-hmm. three <laughs> yes. Times. I was only injured on the last time though. Mm. That's a great retreat. So yes, it was. Yeah. Hey, and and I guess we ought to talk about a sermon, but um, no, it was a great retreat. Good to be back, though. Um, So, Sunday, we continued our uh, Philippians series. Oh, and so you know who's in the room. For those listening, again, I don't want to miss it. Uh, We got Neil Marsh in the room today, which you probably already know. We got Josh Braddy in the room. We've got Mark Evans. We got Jay Fletcher. Yes. And, of course, as always, we've got Chase Hammock. Chase. So, uh, yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day. Mm-hmm. So Philippians, Philippians. Uh, we were we were uh, continuing our Philippians series, and uh, we were still in chapter one, yes, sir. and um, starting in verse twelve. Uh, so really great, really great message. Great conversations that came out of that, mm-hmm. like in life groups and things like that. So there are a lot of things we could talk about today. Um, of course, we know that Paul was in prison. Mm. Uh, as he as he writes this, um, I think one of the early questions that you asked in your message, Josh, was like, you know, what some may ask be asking as they read this, like, what good is it to serve Christ if I'm going to potentially end up like Paul, right? You know, mm-hmm. who was imprisoned and potentially didn't didn't seem like he had much going for him there. So, yeah. So and and it over the ten years, there's a lot more than I mean, prison might have been the better part of it, right? So he's he's <laughs> yeah. beaten and flogged and robbed and shipwrecked and, and earthquakes and friends turning their back on him and now he's essentially alone in in, in prison. And I think as we understand context of why he would have written this the way he did to the people he wrote it to, there's people considering why would why would we live out maybe this radically? Like maybe we love Jesus. Maybe maybe we love Jesus and just like let's let's just Live a regular, typical, you know, at that time, Greek, like a, a Greek life that's Roman influenced. And Paul says, no, man, I want you to understand any anything that you've seen that's been remotely bad or, or not, not what you would consider great, man, it's been used to advance the kingdom. And, and I think that is a great perspective, which is going to launch everything else we look into this letter, but also is, I think, an important 
not only understanding, but something that we nailed down at the center of our life to say, we are going to follow Christ no matter what. And all the things that we experience because God is sovereign, God's going to use it or can use it as we surrendered him. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I so, know there, there are other people, right? So here, here's the, the struggle, and that's why I think I gave a warning at the beginning of the sermon. You may hear that, and on the very service level, you think, amen, yes, that's right. But there's a lot of things that happen to people that are really unexplainably awful. Yes. Uh-huh. And even more so that if, if God is good and God is all-powerful and God is everywhere, and that thing or this season or this event happened in my life, how, how do I square up with God being those things, uh-huh. good and, and all-knowing and, and everywhere? Hmm. That's a struggle. And then to hear a pastor say, but God's going to use it for good. There, there could be people who would say, well, you know what? I, no, thank you. Uh-huh. Or, mm-hmm. or I need a lot more information before I can continue to even fathom what, what we're trying to talk about here. And I, I understand that. Um, but I think Paul truly uh, – and again, I, I, as I said at the end of the message, I'm not trying to explain away pain. I'm not trying to tell you that what you experience God did to you. I don't think God ever causes evil, ever. Mm-hmm. I do believe that God redeems everything mm. as we surrender it to okay. him. Okay. Let me – I causes mm-hmm. evil. God does not right. cause evil. Okay. Does he, though, ordain – Painful seasons. Can you use a different word than ordain? No, I chose that one specifically. <laughs> Why that word? Um, because that is the specific word that I've heard other pastors use to say God does ordain. What pain. does ordain mean, though? Like when you use it, what would you say? Well, that's why I'm asking. Like, like an ordination you, for a pastor. When you say ordained time, when you say he does not um, cause, cause. Mm-hmm. Does there's an allowance that I think you're saying he does allow, and then he redeems. Sure. Does he cause or manipulate seasons in my life where I go through pain and difficulty that may not be evil? Sure. But it could be really hard times. Does he cause those moments for my glory? Before you answer that. Do you have do we have any examples in the Bible where that that word comes up or that concept is taught? What word? Ordain that. Okay. How, do we have any examples where we see God doing that? Because we might want to start there. Well, I think. I mean, we. I think Job. We have a we have a picture of God allowing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Difficult circumstances, and that way he he actually allows Satan to have his way with Job, right? For a season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but with, with the caveat of you can't take his life. Sure. Right. right? So there, there was still ultimate, God was sovereign over him, which right. he gave allowance towards, right? I think that's one. I think another one that we would see um, is the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Like we understand as we read the Old Testament, it is said that God, God was refining them. Mm-hmm. Like God allowed that season that, that on a map should have taken a few weeks, mm-hmm. took 40 years. A generation couldn't go in, and the whole reason being God was doing something. Mm-hmm. But that was a response to their sinfulness, right, and their disbelief. Sure, but to their kids, like unless we're you know getting into generational sin and yeah. what that looks like, 
And I still believe God is is allowing Paul. I mean, mm-hmm. I think this right. is the 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 case that we look at and the point that we see. He is saying, "Look, God, God is using this." Right. Hmm. I don't. He didn't say God caused it. Mm-hmm. He said, "But what really has happened to me has has served mm-hmm. like the, the purpose behind it now is it's advancing the gospel." Right. Yeah. So, so the question, I mean, why uh, – so we all have difficult parts to our story. Um, some, I think – so we talked about this in our life group. Some things, you know, are, are, are bad things or difficult things that happen to us. Like we, we didn't cause them to happen. Mm-hmm. There are other things that happen to us that are difficult that are a direct result of our own choices and our own, you know, so we actually create those circumstances. Um, I think sometimes it's easier for us if we're, when we talk about allowing God to use those difficult parts of our story, sometimes it's easier for us to allow God to use the things that were imposed on us than the things that we created, Mm -hmm. you know? So, in other words, things that were as a result of our, our sinful desires or, or right. whatever, you know, there's mistakes that we make that it's harder for us to own those or, or no, maybe not own, but harder for us to disclose those things to others. Confess them. Confess yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yes. And, and I think just to, an example would be the, the pastor who had a moral failure went through healing, confession, repentance, and would come to a place today that he would say he's at a a, a healthier, more God-honoring place because God used that, his own choice, it was his own doing, right? but God even redeemed his sin. Sure, yeah. Um, and redeemed the consequences and, and all the mess that came out of that, God mm. still worked through that too. So, but uh, yeah, and I think the question is like, you know, why wouldn't we... So if we know uh, if we know that uh, those parts of our story ultimately are of benefit to others, like why wouldn't we be eager to share those things and to uh, to allow God to use them? So selfishly, I want to keep that stuff hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the brokenness. So it's in a pride me. thing. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I don't I don't want to tell parts of my story to people. Mm-hmm. I I would rather people have this really high view of, of me. Um, but I, I think when we look at Paul, Paul had this kingdom mindset. And, and I think that's part of the reason why he he was just okay with who he is, all that he had experienced, and he had that kingdom mindset. I have much more of a worldly J mindset that would – I don't think a whole lot about the fact that all of the stuff that's happened in my past, how God could use that moving forward. Um, but I do have a real good mindset of, man, I'm just going to hide that stuff. I, mm-hmm. I really don't want people to think less of me because of some of the things I've said, done, experienced. Paul's mindset is, man, it's all for the kingdom. Hmm. And I just don't I, – I mean, I've, I've wrestled with that since Sunday and in hearing yeah. this mm-hmm. with the fact that, that God wants to take some of the things from my past – and continue to move me forward and use them for his kingdom glory. Mm-hmm. Or another option is, or another nuance to that would be, it's not just things that are past that are resolved. It's stuff that are ongoing that we mm. still struggle mm-hmm. with. And even in those things, when we choose to submit to the gospel, yeah, that's yes. it's not just the stuff that's already cleaned up. It's mm-hmm. even the stuff that we're still 
hmm. um, having to be sanctified. Absolutely, through. those are the harder ones in some ways. It's, it, it, in some ways, there it seems easier when you've had a rough season, found victory, and now I can proclaim mm-hmm. the victory over. It's safer to say, well, this is this is what I used to struggle uh-huh. with, but now that that's not who I am. So right. there's there's a sense of that's not who I, I. I get that, but I think there is power when we say this is who I am today, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I know mm-hmm. God is good, and I know I'm not, and mm-hmm. I'm still trying to resolve to walk faithfully even in, in my yes. struggle. Um, yeah. hmm. And I, I think, you know, I think, Mike, unless I heard you incorrectly, I think there, there's part, some people who would say it's easier to confess our shortcomings. Uh, I think uh, it, it's easier to confess our shortcomings only because it's harder for me to confess sometimes how I feel God has shortcomings. And I know that's not true. Like, I know he doesn't, but in my own personal walk with the Lord, there's certain things that wouldn't square up. So going back to, if you are all-knowing, all-powerful and everywhere, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Like, like some people, that is a philosophical exercise of trying to figure out the problem of evil. Some people, that's not philosophical at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that is an every day. They bear the scars. They bear the wounds of that moment, and they're trying to square with a God who we say is loving and kind and all-knowing and redemptive from the foundations of the world chose you, mm-hmm. yet this, mm-hmm. this thing, this season, this struggle. And so sometimes it's easier to say, well, I've messed up. Surely God, God, I, God is still perfect and neat in this little box. I think sometimes when we confess the fact that we know we know God is because of, of the scriptures teach us that he is perfect and we believe that. But in our wrestling with the supremacy of Christ in our life, even when we can't fully understand it, I think there's a lot of people out there who would say, me too. I feel that. I, I resonate with that. I'm struggling with that too. And I'm, I'm going to continue on because I, I, I'm, I live my faith not by what I see. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think like in, in my story, which includes at least some elements of trauma, or hearing other people talk about it, the idea of how do you, I liked your your word of how do we square that with mm-hmm. the God who knit me together. Yeah. And so part of our my journey is the idea of how do I move from viewing God as the lightning bolt thrower who is concerned with building character and making me faithful to seeing him as a loving father who is, mm-hmm. because I had to resolve, the way I resolved it growing up was I just assumed he was inattentive and mm. negligent or not uh-huh. interested. Uh-huh. So the, the my sanctification journey has been how to uh, how do I approach him and s- see him as not negligent, yeah. but uh, but loving and caring. And I think that's that's right. I mean, I think that's countless stories of the people who who I do life with that and mm-hmm. for counseling and those kind of things. I think that is right on. Yeah. How do we how do we give people space? Um and care as they navigate those waters. That's good. Yeah. Mm. So, Neil, uh, so you asked a question, I think, when we were talking before uh, before starting our podcast today. Um, like, do we have a tendency, I think the way you framed the question, do we have a tendency to confuse persecution, which, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we see Paul experienced a lot of persecution, um, do we have a tendency to confuse persecution with difficult seasons or, or things that are really a consequence of our own sinful action? Yeah. 
Uh, yes, yeah, Mark has a really good voice in my life for this, as he holds dearly uh, the persecuted saints across the world. Um, and I think you've you've been bumping into this on Sunday mornings in the preaching too, which is, I think the church, when we are living out the gospel, we should, we will experience persecution, right? Right. In the absence of a church that lives the gospel out, we seem to create chaos and create the sense of persecution mm-hmm. as if it's part of the story that should be told, but we manufacture it in ways that really is just consequences um, to us living between two worlds and not fully living out the gospel, but living in an affluent culture. Mm-hmm. And so we, we assume that all the discomfort we feel is persecution when in fact it is simply we're living in a broken world or it's because we um, don't fully have, we don't live faithfully. Yeah. Can, can we define persecution? Yeah. I think that's important because sometimes we view persecution in the most extreme, yeah. like you're, you're a martyr, right. uh, like, like a physical, your life is going to be taken from you for standing on biblical principles or following Christ or not denying that Christ be Lord. And I, I, yes, that that is one hundred percent persecution. But I think there is persecution that we would see in the other scriptures as as any any adversity that comes for living out your Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, even though it's it's to one far extreme mm-hmm. of the the persecuted Christians in third world countries who their lives are ending literally today because of their faith in Jesus Christ, I, I do think there is still a um, uh, a discussion to be had for. The high school student who is standing firm on their convictions, and and as strange as this may sound, not being invited to the party or mm-hmm. not being asked to be a part of the this group or be a part of this thing because of their Christian faith and because of the values that they hold. Now, again, they are as far away from each other on the spectrum that they could be, but they're still on the spectrum mm-hmm. of, of potential persecution. Would you say that a different way? I don't think so. I'm looking. At, so. I'm looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is in the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. I think so. Persecution would be for for something adverse for living out your faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Not you ran out of gas. Hmm. Right. Um, n- not that your your bill didn't get paid, or somebody was mean to you, or you got cut off in traffic. That's not necessarily. <laughs> so the example of the high school student. Yeah. That that is very real. What would that look like in the life of an adult? Yeah. Think about think about the workplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how th- there are there are folks that man in the workplace they're doing everything in their power to be the believer that God's called them to be. Yet they are alienated when they do that at the workplace because you're not supposed to bring faith into the workplace. Right. I, I have dear friends who try to live this thing out in the workplace every day, and they are ostracized. Like they they don't. I mean, just as simple as we we're not going to let you be a part of our lunch group anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that that's a fellowship side of things, but I just don't think we have this really un, real deep understanding of what persecution looks like in Madison. 2023. Yeah. We we can think about all that Paul experienced, all these Bible stories, but we just for for us we we're not going to get there. Mm-hmm. Right now. Maybe down the line. Yeah. But that's right, exactly right. But right now, yeah. we don't understand what persecution really mm-hmm. is. 
And, and more and more people are being ostracized because of their faith and, and they're being pushed into a corner and, and it, it's, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's good because I remember coming into working the church from a non-church setting and I, I, it, it was a paradigm shift of experiencing some of that pressure in a, a loss setting mm. and coming in. I felt like I was at, coming into the ministry in that way, kind of taking the easy way or I, I wasn't going to experience the same kind of persecution. And yes. there was something inside of that where you're, you're passed over for, for job opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you're left out of conversations or you, because you have a vi- high view of the gospel in your family, you may have different approaches to working additional hours. Yes. And how you navigate that and are not shamed because of that. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. So here's a question, which I mean, it seems like the answer ought to be obvious, but I don't know if it is. Um, is is persecution possible, and does it happen within the church? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. But I think that so, without preaching a whole sermon series over again, that was the whole purpose of Romans. There's persecution between the Gentiles and the Jews. Mm. One group hated the other, the other group hated the other. And Paul was saying, you got to get along. Like mm. this this infighting for the sake of their core tenets of belief was putting them at odds with one another. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I certainly think that, that inside the church it can happen. And I think it would look a lot like this, particularly in our church. Um, again, this is we are, we are a highly relational bunch here in Madison, particularly at Broadmoor. Like we, li- we, I think we do church well, like come to church, be a part of church events. But I think we do outside of church things well. If you're in a life group, like you're going to gather here, be a part of here, go to lunch here. But I'll hear from people, and I know that you guys do as well. Um, you know, I just I, I feel like, like we were real close, and then all of a sudden, hmm. we're, we're, I didn't get invited to the lunch. Mm-hmm. Or, or the the group of guys went out and I didn't get the invite. Or, or maybe all the guys were all guys in the room today. Like our spouses would would feel some kind of way potentially because they didn't get an invite to to be with the other ladies that they used to be really close to. And and a lot of times it mm-hmm. potentially could boil down to mm-hmm. just different views on life or living or living out faith or a myriad of other things. But right. yeah, I think it certainly happens. In our church, it shouldn't, but it is certainly a, a tension that we live out. And I think, um, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit at our staff retreat. Why it is so imperative for the church when when um, James writes uh, in his letter, "Confess your sins one to another and be healed." Like, there's this idea that we should continually be confessing um, because we are continually falling. Hmm. There's we 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 don't want to be sin filled people doing sinful things. But we are until we get to the other side of eternity. And so one way to combat that is to hide and act like, no, I'm not – be arrogant, be prideful. No, I didn't do anything wrong. You're, it's on you. Or we can just say, hey, you know what? I'm so sorry that happened. I'm so sorry that, that I did that to you. Or I'm, I'm so sorry that I made you feel that way. I want to confess that to you. And if there was anything broken, there's, there's a restoration. And that should be not just a one-time-a-month practice or a one-time-a-year practice in the church – should be an everyday practice mm. for for people who are walking. So we're talking about, uh, I mean, we're talking about persecution, obviously, but but you know, one of the things that, and I want us to get to is, uh, so we see in verses thirteen and fourteen here, um, you know, Paul is saying that his imprisonment and and the things that he is uh, he is suffering right now, it's it says he, it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that his imprisonment is for Christ. 
And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Mm. Now, you used that in your sermon. You talked about the fact that you know we ought to, uh, like, we ought to see uh, every moment of our lives as as a chance to be on mission. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, um, you know, I, I think the the question that it raises, um, like, how do we change our perspective? To, to see life that way, especially knowing that we, we could potentially be persecuted mm-hmm. uh, for for doing so. Like, well, Mark, Mark, being our missions pastor uh, and having your hand in all of that, I would be curious, Mark, why do you, in all your years of doing missions, not just at Broadmoor, but even prior to this, why do, why do when people sign up to go on a mission trip, they pay a lot of money to have an experience. And, and typically on that trip, generally, they're going to be really engaged. They're going to be team players. They're all in for that whole mm. time and space. And then seemingly when it's over, <laughs> so is the attitude. So is mm-hmm. so is the camaraderie. Like, what, what do you but think? But it's also true, too, I want to say, too, because it's also true that when you're on a mission trip or something like that, you tend to see every adversity as some sort of mm-hmm. opportunity. Know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's Oh, it's an attack of the enemy. Yeah. And, you know, we're just going to, you know, God... We're going to pray that God, you know, works in spite of that. And, you know, yet we don't have that same perspective in our everyday lives. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We talk about that a good bit and, and we even uh, try to prepare our teams, you know, our team leaders will talk about uh, how we take what we experience here on this two weeks or 10 days, whatever it is. But it's, it's the same as everything else. When, when, when we leave the environment of other brothers and sisters, we're on a team together, we're on a mission together, we have focused time, that's just a lot easier to zero in on what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. You pull out of that environment and you step right back into the rat race. You become alienated again. Mm-hmm. Um, you become distracted Uh I talk about this a lot, but oftentimes the way we live life and the decisions we make are built out of whatever is the most pressure causing inside of us. Hmm. So if my highest value is I need this for my children, I need to see my kids successful here, I want this kind of lifestyle I might place a high, high priority on sharing the gospel. Yeah. But what stirs in me the most and causes the most felt pressure is the 400 things I've got to do today because I feel the pressure of what's going to happen if I don't do those things. Right. In that moment, sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, expanding the kingdom does not create the same level of pressure. Nobody's going to be knocking on my door that night with questions, asking for a response, asking for money because I didn't share the gospel or proclaim the gospel. Hmm. When I go on a trip, all that's removed. The most pressure thing that I feel on a trip with a group of four other believers is to share the gospel. Yeah. That's what we're asking each other that day. Yeah, And so I think it goes back to what is – that's why we've got to learn to live with the highest value things and we've got to pull away and say what is it what is it in our life that we say that is what I'm living for mm-hmm. 
and surround ourselves with other believers who will come alongside of us and, and encourage us to do that. That is um, so good and profound. So the high you would you would say in, in your years of, of leading teams and leading leaders who are going to lead teams, the highest value is always going to win out. Absolutely. Even if it's unknown, yeah, that's like, exactly it, right. So I you've got to find that. <laughs> that's exactly right. We don't, sometimes we don't even know what we high, highly value, right? Until that anxiety and pressure starts building up, and then we realize, yeah, the most important thing is, yeah, so, I've got to get this done. So sometimes our our highest value isn't what we say it is, mm-hmm. but our life is always going to prove what it truly is. Mm-hmm. Correct. And so I think that would be wise for mm-hmm. us, even as we embark, because when we get to next week, when this coming Sunday. There's a sense of the Apostle Paul saying, now that we have this settled, that Christ is our highest value, it's time to run. That's right. And and you don't have to mm-hmm. fear jail or beatings or shipwreck or, or being stolen. Like, none of that's going to matter because Christ is your highest value. And he'll even get to a point later on in the letter, hey, if I die, perfect, I'm going home. That's right. But if I live, perfect, then I got more opportunity to run. Mm-hmm. I, I think now the, the issue becomes, particularly where we live, how do we make our life match what we say? Mm-hmm. Christ is supreme. Mm-hmm. Yes, but so is student loans just came back into yeah. play. Mm-hmm. So is the house note. So mm-hmm. is the ball team. So is the how, – how do we how do we reconcile not all good things? Because I would say that those things are – pay your bills. Make sure that you have what you need. Make sure your family is healthy. and ha- Not all good things are godly. Right. How do we make sure that that what what is the most right thing that we can live for, and how do we play that out in our life? I think we practice confession. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in the, on the Tanzania mission trip, and there was something that happened that um, in, I spiraled. Uh, like I, the thoughts in my head were no longer about the gospel; they were about, "Okay, God, you got to get us out of this." <laughs> like right now, get my wife get all of us get us out of this right now we had the muslim call to prayer going off in the background we had this thing that was communicated to us and it revealed for me one of my mm-hmm. prime motivators is security mm-hmm. right and it was in direct competition with the gospel yeah and so i became aware of it like within two or three minutes i kind of took those thoughts captive and shared it mm-hmm. hey guys mm-hmm. i just i just discovered something I think we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, mm-hmm. confess it, put a label on it, what it is, mm-hmm. identify it, be really truthful and clear that's what that is, and then we go out and we practice it again. Mm-hmm. That's good. So it's good to have other people on the outside being able to look at your life because I think going back to, to the value, a lot of times we can say what we think we believe, but somebody else on the outside who we trust and love, they may say, I hear what you say. Right. Mm-hmm. I know what you think you believe, but what I'm seeing is something a little bit different than right. both of those two things. Right. And coming from a trusted brother or sister, yes. that is a beautiful thing. Coming from a non-trusted brother or sister, mm-hmm. that's a personal attack, and who are mm-hmm. you to tell me that? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, again, the value of the smaller circle. Yes. We, we continue to shrink that circle. Those people know us and love us, but they also have permission to say, hey, these things aren't matching up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wonder out there, you know, in podcast world – how many people don't have that smaller circle where there's no one there's there's no one asking them the hard questions right you know and, and it's not going to match up un- until we have the those are 
those are gospel conversations mm-hmm. just as much as as sharing uh, sharing faith with someone else. Those are they're, they're hard questions, but they're gospel centric. They 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 draw us more and more toward yeah. Jesus. They're not a luxury. They're a necessity. No, absolutely. Right. They're a necessity. absolutely. And let me push it one step further. Going back to mission, um, you know, I'm a big fan of groups, and and I'm all about getting in each other's life, and I think that's so healthy. I think there is a step that we can all grow in to see our groups not just be groups that are healthy for accountability and confession, but groups that are on mission together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I talked about a team and Neil, all you guys have gone on teams, you've gone on mission trips with teams. There's something together. There's something really cool when you're together saying, this is our mission. Well, yes, your small group is an opportunity for you to grow as a disciple, but it is your opportunity to come together and say, this group of brothers, this group of sisters, we're on mission together. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we're going to check each other on what our value is. What do we value most highly? And if if we come together and we peel away the the fringe and we say this is our highest value, we we will be countercultural. Yeah. We will look different. We will um we we will face a different type of persecution and a different type of lifestyle when we say we're sh- we're stripping it away, and we're going to say our life is on mission. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I, I think we're going to keep going that way as a church, and, and the way that you're going to lead us when we talk about the sixty two percent and reaching the people around us. But our groups being on mission together is is going to be a big piece of that. Mm-hmm. And as you're saying that, I think um, this is true. Um, the more we engage mission together, together. Mm-hmm the more likely we are to offend and hurt one another. That's right. Mm. If we never do things together and never go to battle on the mission, mm. we'll never step on each other's toes. That's really good. But if we do that, we're going to, which means we have to get really, really good practice in it, confessing and apologizing mm. That's good. Mm. and giving feedback. And and the kind of mission that we're talking about is not necessarily going somewhere and, no, and so doing missions. Kind of no. Thank you. Good we, clarification. We are, we are on every mission day. every day. Mm-hmm. Right. Our platforms may look a little different, mm-hmm. but... I, I mean, I've, I've had so many conversations, you know, you guys, my, my background is some corporate chaplaincy along with uh, executive director at YBO where I was working with young business guys all the time. And I would have this conversation in so many different places where guys put a, a hat on on Sunday and they take it off and try to put another hat on Monday mm-hmm. through Saturday. And that guy that is is trying to figure that out the best place he can figure that out was with is with another group of brothers who are trying to figure that out. And there's just the opportunity for that guy to confess, hey, I, I can't wear these two hats. But my temptation every day is to, to try to take one hat off and put the other hat on. And guys that are are really leaning into this well and the Lord is really leading them, they're, they're in a group of people mm-hmm. that are having these kind of conversations. To what Neil said, they're pushing against each other. Mm-hmm. A little bit, and, and there's there's conflict that comes out of that, but they're able to call each other back into because they're understanding that this is my mission field. Yes, I'm not going to stand up and preach a sermon like Josh does every Sunday, but my mission field is so real, and there are people around me that are lost without Christ. I am on mission every day. It's mm-hmm. good, yeah, really good conversation. There's so. There's at least one other topic I think uh, would be good for us to to uh, have a little bit of discussion around before we, we wrap here. Um, in the latter part of the passage that we were looking at on Sunday, 
um, starting in verse 15, you know, Paul talks about how some, some people are preaching Christ from envy and rivalry and others from goodwill. So, and he says the latter do it out of love, knowing that he's put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. And then he says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. So, I think a, uh, a good question to, to ask ourselves, like, you know, obviously, Paul, Paul here, he says, man, he has peace, and he rejoices mm-hmm. in the fact that no matter what the, mm-hmm. the motivation, that, that Christ is, 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 uh, is proclaimed. Yet, you know, so I, I guess, how do we do that? So, you know, we would all say that we, we see people or know, know of preachers or other, you know, uh, church leaders or things that, that would preach what we would consider a false gospel. Um, should we rejoice in that? Like, should we be at peace in the fact that, you know, even though it's false, that, that Christ is being proclaimed in some way? Yeah, I would say you're not rejoicing in the message mm-hmm. of the false gospel. You're rejoicing in the fact that Christ is going to be glorified. The, I remember an old saying, um, God, it's it's an old country saying, God hits straight licks with crooked sticks. <laughs> yes. And I, I remember that being 18 years old, just getting into ministry <laughs> thinking, I hope that's true. <laughs> I really, really hope that's true. Please, Lord. So, I mean, there there are people like, um, and and you know, I don't I don't want to to get into the to the name dropping of of false teachers on this podcast, but I know people who have come inside my office or we've had lunch together who would name a teacher who I would say, man, that at best it's an incomplete gospel, but they would say I was saved under that ministry. I know now that I wouldn't go there and feed. I wouldn't go there and and give myself over to watch care of that church or that ministry, but I can't deny what the Lord did Mm -hmm. through some sort of the preaching Mm -hmm. of the gospel in that ministry. And so in that, we rejoice that God is going to save, God is going to will, God is going to move, because that's what God does. Mm -hmm. And so what Paul is saying, in in my estimation here, is regardless of, of their motives in preaching the gospel, the gospel they were preaching was good. The motive behind it wasn't, mm-hmm. and so in the he's not rejoicing over a poor motive or a, or a a pastor who's trying to preach to get money and and for no other reason than that he's saying I'm rejoicing in Christ being preached because mm-hmm. I know that that message is eternal. Mm, that's right. good. That's good. Mm-hmm. That sounds a little nuanced. <clears throat> There's a difference between a correct message with bad motive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then a false gospel, and a false gospel. Yeah, right. Because a false gospel, I mean, yes, God's sovereign; He's good; He can help us undo false gospel. But I'm I'm a little more less excited about the false gospel being preached than I am the dude preaching with a bad motive. Because truthfully, I'm sure I've got bad motives at absolutely. times too. Yeah. And there's you, absolutely, you sure do. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. No, no I, mean, I think you're right. Like yeah. in all of our conversations. We have a mixture. There's yeah. parts of us yeah. that is pursuing Both. righteous, and all of a sudden, we're going to take a conversation. Mm-hmm. I will, maybe not you guys, yeah. but I will twist it to have an upper hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mixture of all things, and I may be doing the right thing, but three fourths of my motives That's right. are mm-hmm. sinful and, mm-hmm. and shameful. That's right. Yeah. Um, and again, when we become aware of those things, we simply confess. Okay. 
That's yeah. Right. But you think about the, the times where you've heard something false. Just you, you, you roll it through your mind, you roll it through your heart, and, and the question comes, why is that false? There, there's, a, there's a way that, that God just draws you back to truth so that you begin to learn. I, I think of times where I've heard things that I know that are false. It's being preached with all the conviction. Mm. But, but what it did to me is it drew me toward or no, back to truth mm-hmm. where I, I'm, I'm being reminded of, hey, this is why this is true. And, and, and man, God, God takes even the things that are just all mm. messed up and fuzzy. He can take and bring clarity and growth out of them. Mm. Correct. Yeah. So going back to the nuance, and, and Mark, thanks for, for bringing that up. And I think that's true. There's a, a nuance between someone who preaches a right gospel with a poor motive and somebody who preaches a false gospel. But still, even as as Paul is going to go on in this letter, he's going to name names, and and whether they were saved under the the, the false pretense or the the good motive, um, like there's a sense of your salvation is secure because it's not because of the preacher that preached it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not because of the ministry that it came from. Mm-hmm. If Christ is the one who saved you, right? Right. So if if <laughs> in some way now we we would. We want right doctrine. Mm-hmm. We want sound preaching. We want sound songs. We want sound teaching. Like we want all those things, but God is so glorious and gracious that He will use many things that, and seemingly, are, are very crooked in, in our estimation. And God bring people mm-hmm. to to repentance and faith in Christ. Right. And I think the last thing we would ever want to do is to to let somebody think or be under the understanding that because they were a part of this ministry. And they were saved out of it. That maybe their salvation is less than, Fair. Uh, yeah. or or their experience was somehow not valid, and they need to redo it just to make sure. Yeah, um, because if your faith is in Christ, that is a saving faith, right? Um, in Christ alone. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, in many ways, again, we we value right, we value sound, um, but God can use anything that's to draw right. you to that's Himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Talking donkeys and all. I mean, talking donkeys. <laughs> talking donkeys. donkeys. Yeah. But we've all had the moment where we've had to deconstruct somebody's bad theology because yep. they were secure in what they believed, but they hadn't really been secure in repentance and faith. They were mm. secure in righteousness, their own righteousness and legalism or church attendance. Yep. Right. Because that's the gospel that they had been taught. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so those are the times that, you know, we have to undo that sometimes that's That's exactly right well great conversation guys i think we're out of time but um i have uh, more it's been good (laughs) (laughs) well save it for next week mark (laughs) yeah i'm I'm sure it's going to keep going Uh, paul's paul's going to keep talking that's right that's right Hey, uh, as we uh, as we wrap up we've got a uh, we've got a big event coming up and uh, so if you're listening and you are a man uh, we've got an event for men coming up. Uh, Jay, tell us about it. Yes, we do. Around the table at night is Tuesday at 6 o'clock in the venue, and we would love to have uh, guys, and feel free to bring your sons, grandsons. Men and boys. Yes. Uh, boy, Josh, you can come. Yeah, Thank it's you. just going to be a like, oh. good night. We're going to have wow. some... Uh, we're going to have food, free food. How about that? Yeah. We're going to have hamburgers, hot dogs, kind of tailgate food as we welcome Coach Tommy Bowden. Uh, to Broadmoor, and we'll spend some time with him, and uh, it will be a lot of fun. We really encourage everyone, just so that we can have enough food, 
broadmoor.org slash connect. And if you would sign up for that event by Monday at noon, that would help us out yep. a bunch. And that is Monday, October 9th, because Correct. the event is Tuesday, October 10th. Yes, it is. Brady was asking, are we doing, you need a salad? You want salads that night? Or? I do not. I want a piece of meat. <laughs> I got you covered. <laughs> got you covered. Thank you. Yes. Uh, that's good. Well, guys, uh, great discussion. Always great being in the room with you. Fun times. Y'all are great. Love you guys. Uh I love you too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Repent, Mike. (laughs) The spirit speaks. Bye. (laughs) This has been a production of Broadmoor Baptist Church. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with others and don't forget to subscribe. To help us spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. They can find us wherever they prefer to get their podcasts. And if you'd like more information about Broadmoor, please visit our website at broadmoor.org or connect with us on your favorite social media platform where we're listed as at my Broadmoor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>